Okay, folks, welcome back to the Anthony Gordon Show. A special guest today on actually a number of uh, of levels. David Sachs I con- uh, is someone who I consider a friend for many years. And on the one hand, I think we have a bunch of things in common. We both uh, were fortunate to have uh, been educated at Harvard University. Um, both of us, I think, have assumed a certainly a, a more spiritual spiritual track in, in life. Um, I've had some exposure to the entertainment industry. David, I think, is one of those unique individuals who has achieved, I think, uh, the zenith of success, if you will, um, in terms of television and entertainment, and yet is someone who has uncompromising retained his substance over form and uh, someone who is certainly not uh, one of the typical uh, sort of narcissistic personas that are ubiquitous uh, in the uh, entertainment industry. David, firstly, welcome. Oh, thanks. <laughs> let, let, me, let me tell our viewers and our listeners a little, uh, a little sort of about you in terms of putting this uh, uh, in, in context. Um, so David is uh, an Emmy Award recipient for his work on The Simpsons. He uh, won a Golden Globe Award for his work on Third Rock from the Sun. He's certainly uh, would be considered one of the most sought-after writers in terms of sitcoms anywhere in this country. Um, currently an executive produce, uh, producing Final Space uh, for, uh, for TBS. So I think just for our listeners' sake, David, to sort of put uh, our discussion uh, in context and just to give you, David, a sort of a minute or two on the theme of what we've been discussing in the previous weeks. Really what what the underpinning or the tone or the theme of, of, of the show is that, um, as, as you know better than most, um, the sort of the what we would call pop culture, I guess, and the, 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 ma- the media at large has imparted images of what happiness is, of what success is, um, values that supposedly we should hold as a sacrosanct. And what I found in my life journey and sort of the introduction to uh, the show uh, is that a lot of what has been imparted and a lot of the cool aid that people tend to drink um, is in fact fallacious and it's not accurate and it's resulted in people um, s- sort of seeking things that are not true to themselves and from in many people's cases has resulted in in pain and hardship and it, my goal in sort of the show is hopefully to impart some tools wisdom um in in an unapologetic way uh to hopefully empower our listeners uh to live f- successful fulfilled and, and happy lives so you know i'm sorry just uh you use the word uh wisdom sure and i think that's a great word uh and I, I once came up with this this mathematical formula. This is just for me. Take it or leave it. But but I, I sort of like it. And and it goes like this: intelligence plus experience equals wisdom. And uh, say that again. Intelligence. Yeah, intelligence plus experience equals wisdom. That's true. And what what I would suggest is that we're not really looking for intelligence. There's so many smart people who have messed up the world so profoundly over the years. Sure. Brilliant, brilliant people. And um, I, I think that uh, a lot of us tend to think that, yeah, smart, awful, I was only so smart, I, I'd just be able to accomplish so much. But 
But the reality is, is that really what we're looking for is, is wisdom. And, and in order to, in, in, as, as far as I understand it, in order to reach that level of wisdom, intelligence has to be distilled through experience. And, um, that's, that's, that's what we want. And, and it's not, it's often counterintuitive. Um, people often have to go through a windy path through life and through a lot of disappointments and through a lot of frustration before they find it. And it seems like, you know, the, the, the media and, and this is forever, by the way, not, not just a a recent phenomenon, but forever people sell a certain vision, but, but people have to arrive at the truth in a very hard fought way for it to become actual wisdom. And, and I always I always admired those who, um, it's true you have to learn from your own mistakes, but wouldn't it be great if we could learn from others' mistakes? That's amazing. Yeah. That's very true. Let me just sort of pick up on that because I think that I had a similar experience, um, I would say two or three years ago, um, the 25th reunion of my, uh, my class at Harvard Law School. And you know me, Dave, for many years. I think my disposition and my personality is perhaps more effervescent uh, 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 than most. And I was almost amazed how more than uh, two or three people came up to me and said, you know, Anthony, it's been 25 years since law school. You seem so happy. You seem, and this is exactly to your point. These are some of the most intelligent people uh, that one one could possibly sort of uh, pick out in a crowd and were desperately unhappy people. And uh, they were lacking wisdom. There's no question they were lacking wisdom. And I think, let me pick up on 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 the point that you made about, you know, people have to uh, go through disappointments and 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 setbacks uh, to attain the wisdom that really we're talking about. And I, and I want to thank you because I think that is a good cue to to uh, discuss uh, really what I want to discuss with you. You mentioned disappointments. You mentioned uh, lemons. If someone looked at your resume and saw Emmy Awards and Golden Globe and the credits, Malcolm in the Middle, Murphy Brown, I mean, by all accounts, uh, you know, an absolute success story. What I would be interested in is some of the lemons, some of the disappointments, some of the setbacks, if if you don't mind sharing with uh, with the listeners. Sure, absolutely. Uh, yeah. That has, uh, which I assume you had to, t- to turn into lemonade, that helped you become not only successful, but frankly, for our show's purposes, I'm more interested in the wisdom. If you could share some of those disappointments, those setbacks, the failures, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and, and every life has one. I, I, I saw, I heard this and it was just such a powerful visual that it always stayed with me. I heard it from Rabbi Beryl Wine and sure. he was talking about, uh, if you've ever seen uh, a graph, a Wall Street graph charting you know, the Dow Jones or something like that or anything, you'll see that even if they're going up, they go down, they go up, they go down, they go up, they go down, they go up. Yep. And, and eventually, uh, they go more up in a, you know, in a success scenario. But the, within the context of them going up, they're constant downs. Yep. And I think that that the reason why I'm so drawn to that visual is because I think that's actually a very accurate portrayal of, of life. Yep. And even a, a quote unquote successful life. Sure. Um, and then I think the, the challenge is, is how do you, how do you navigate those downs? How yep. do you, how do you, how do you 
gear your life in a way in which uh, it's sustainable. Sure. Um, and I think that uh, one bit of advice that I would suggest, and I've got a few thoughts on this, but one one bit of advice that I would suggest yep. is uh, the importance of having what we call a seder. Uh, a seder means a a, a a set series of practices over the course of your day. Okay, like a schedule, an order, or is it more than that? Yeah, it, it's a schedule. It's an order. Um, you get up at a certain time. Mm-hmm. Um, you go to work at a certain time, even if you don't have a job. Excellent. Um, you know, uh, all of, all of these things, um, and and just getting out of bed is so crucial. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's oftentimes that the little things that that keep you going. Sure. So uh, to that point, firstly, it's interesting you mentioned the. Um, the sort of analogy by Rabbi Wine. I, I heard a similar analogy where if you look at an EKG, an EKG, you know, has its ups and downs. And the worst thing that you would want to see on an EKG is a, you know, is a person flatlining because you're dead. Yeah. Anyone who's alive is going to have, ha, have their, uh, their ups and downs. And I think that if you and I, who, who perhaps know a number of people in common, would look to people that we both or, or would, would respect and look up to, I would be I would believe I'd be hard pressed to believe that they haven't had some tough times in their life. Yeah, I think uh, if you, if you read these biographies of of great people, you know, um, of our age, sure. uh, uh, people who've had you know enormous success say, in the tech industry and things like that, yep. all of their biographies are filled with um, with setbacks. Yep. I mean, just look at Steve Jobs, who's sort of like the icon of of success. Apple is you know unparalleled. Right. He he was points. fired from his own company. Yep. You know, and, and, and he came back and, and I would even say, um, you know, on a more, even more, uh, iconic level, if you actually look into the, the Torah itself, yep. our greatest people, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, King David, all of them, their lives were riddled with, with setbacks. Pain, failure. And in, in, in fact, that, you know, begins to give us, I think, a, a, uh, a good working definition of what, of what success is all about, actually, because you see, a lot of people um, think that that success means that you've reached a point in your life where you've transcended failure. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, is that that that's fantasy. No, that never happens. Yeah, that success is the ability to stay in it in the face of failure. Very well put. So th- this is going to be, I, I think, a, 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 a slightly tougher question than perhaps you've been asked before in uh, similar forums. But I, I want to, I want to be true to the theme of, of of the show, and that's the following. By by all accounts, David, you know, you would be considered, you know, one, one of the most successful uh, sitcom writers uh, in the country. It's an incredibly powerful conduit and tool to impart education, um, you know, ideas to a millions of people, you know, many of them during their formative years. How does it feel where, and I'm, I'm, maybe there is a supposition and assumption, and if I'm wrong, please dispel this. How, what's it like when you, there's a show where in order to be entertaining, um, you may have to, uh, sort of impart things that are um, 
you know, less in line with some of the things that we're discussing, you know, less in line with uh, the fact that people fail, that life is tough, that, uh, you know, the, the notion of boy meets girl uh, and we live happily ever after, which is a fairy tale. So I, I, I'm interested in knowing you as I do. Just the internal struggle when you're putting on a show for the masses and by definition, it may not be entertaining to talk about the failures and the setbacks and, and some of the vicissitudes of life. Yeah, I, you know, the, the, the show that I'm currently working for, it's, it's called Final Space on TBS okay. and a wonderful show created by Olin Rogers. Um, and, uh, I've been working with him with it, uh, since the start. And it's, what's the premise of the show? So it's like a space app opera. It's animated. Uh, we're doing it. We're producing it with Conan O'Brien's company. Sure. And, uh, right now we're doing the second season and, it's a comedy, there's action adventure, but there's also drama in it. And, and I've been able to write material for this show that, that I've never been able to put in another uh, series before. So I, I'll tell you just a, a favorite line of mine, because yeah, it, it sums up so much of kind of my worldview. One of the lead characters, without going into too much detail, um, one of the lead characters uh, exposes his past to our hero. And he's had a very, very dark past. It yep. turns out that the the villain of this series, who's just this ma- maniac, homicidal yep. despot, um, that he was his 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 number two. He was number two. Okay. Yeah, and this is like a, a shocker. Wow. And uh, and you see like a little montage of some of just the horrible stuff that he actually did. And then he, you come out of it back into real time and he turns to his best friend, our hero, who they've forged like a very close friendship at this time. And, you know, he, he says, so like, what do you think of me now? Basically. So one second, the protagonist, the hero, the hero is now has to react to the fact that his best friend has a very, very dark history. Tremendous premise. And so, so. So I wrote the following line, which is, he takes it in, right. and the hero says, all of us are broken. The only question is, how much and how far are we willing to go to fix it? Can you repeat that? That's beautiful. All of us are broken. Yep. The only question is, how much and how far are we willing to go to fix it? That's terrific. And I have to say that a lot of... Everything that I've learned in life went into that line. Wow. And, and, and I think that there's a window on, um, just this topic of success that we're discussing right now, yeah. because I think that we have to go a little bit deeper. I know, um, Dennis Prager makes this point on his show quite a bit and, mm-hmm. and I really like it. It's, uh, I guess he says it in the in the name of his friend's mother, if I'm if I'm yeah. attributing it properly, which is, and I'm paraphrasing, but it's it's sort of like the only people who don't have any problems are people who you don't know very well. Yep. <laughs> yep. And I, I I think that that's I think that that's really important and really true because all of us are broken. You know, mm-hmm. on a on a spiritual level, a lot of people don't know this, but Judaism believes in reincarnation. Yep. Yep. And that means that every single person is here to fix something. So we, we have this baseline of, of, of all of us need to repair something. And I think that, you know, I call this bad math. Here, here's an example of bad math. And, um, one of the roots of jealousy. I think that what, 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 what people do is they look at another person. Right. And they say, 
that person has this thing that I really, really, really want. And now here comes the bad math. They assume that since this is my greatest problem, and this person has that, that therefore they don't have any other problems. Very true. <laughs> Which and, is and ridiculous. It, and it's, it's, it's ridiculous. completely a fallacy. Yeah. And not only do they have other problems, but their other problems might be larger than your problem, 100% which you think they're the solution of. So firstly, what you're saying is absolutely true and, and, and resonates. And it reminds me, you know, as you know, David, I, I do a lot of public speaking at retreats and at events and everything. And one of the speeches that I cite that I believe was one of the most powerful commencement speeches, I think, at any university, it happened to be at our alma mater, was where the keynote speaker ascended up the podium. And basically, and I'm paraphrasing, the person in question uh, began their remarks by saying, by all accounts, I had failed miserably. I was poorer than a church mouse. Uh, I had a, a marriage that had failed. But I had a, a daughter that I loved. I had a dream and I had a typewriter. And, and so was the beginning of JK Rowling's, uh, words about her at Harvard University. I think the reason why that was resonated with me is that she was speaking about failure in an unapologetic way. And you, as someone who is a writer for some of the most, certainly some of the most prominent and most beloved TV shows, am I, Am I uh, wrong in saying that if you had a if you had free reign and they said David you you you've uh, you've got enough credits you've got enough accolades write the show that whatever show you want and we as a major network we're going to carry your show can you tell our listeners what are the life messages what's the wisdom that you would want to impart in if you had an absolute free canvas knowing that your show was going to be seen by millions. Well, I think the, the major point I'd like to get across, I think, is that, that you matter, mm -hmm. that you count. Every single person, I think, really has to have a better appreciation of how essential they are to the entire world. Yep. And how no one can do what, what, what they do. And that, and that part of the sort of the infinite aspect of God's greatness is that God himself doesn't repeat himself. And it's, it's hard to imagine that each single person is unique in all of history and all of creation and were uniquely designed to do a particular thing. It's beautiful. And the more a person like owns that, the more they'll value themselves and take their time on earth seriously. Mm -hmm. So I want to speak to that for a second. You mentioned Apple before, arguably, you know, the most successful technology company, certainly, by, you know, in, in the eyes of the millennial generation. What was interesting to me is the, one of the first famous iconic ads of Apple uh, many years ago was a faceless person dancing alone. Hmm. That's right. That's right. Dancing for, alone. Right, right, for the iPods. And, and it struck me as, you know, it, it, with the proliferation of technology, I know that when I, you know, I speak at, at, at various events and, and almost to a fault, there's, we, we, you know, after uh, I have said a few remarks, people would approach the podium. One of the common themes that I hear is loneliness and, and the, the lack of connectivity. And so when one speaks and when you do that in your work and, uh, and share the fact that there, everyone has a thorn in their side, everyone has pain, everyone has setbacks somehow people don't feel so alone. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's that's right. And and I think that sort of like kind of trying to tie together some of these themes and and going back to success. Something that I realized this about a week ago or so, and it just hit me as like, wow, like it, it felt to me at the moment like a big thought. Sure. Just in terms of um, defining success. So, so success for um, is so important for people, and and they would give everything up to be a success, just yep. about. And then if you ask them. Can you define success? Most people will hem and haw, yeah, and they actually don't have an answer to how they would define success. And here, here we are, like willing to throw ourselves in front of a, a speeding bus <laughs> in order to achieve it, and yet we can't even define it. So, so that's problematic. That's extremely problematic yep. because how can you achieve a goal that is not actually clearly defined for yourself? So, working with that, what what I kind of kind of realized recently was I think a lot of people, and this is uh, unconscious. I don't think sure. people um, know that they're doing this, but I think a lot of people define success as, you know how I, how I define success? If you think I'm a success, then I'm a success. So what, yeah. <laughs> so what self-worth is directly, uh, you know, connected to what other people think. Exactly. So like how, how could it be that you've taken the most crucial definition of your life and handed it for other people to decide about you. So you're touching on 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 something which is close to my heart for for, for many reasons. And and one of the uh, one of the we're talking about wisdom and success. One of one of the um, one of the wisest sort of um, comments that I, I was privy to is when someone was talking about how to build uh, self esteem. Um, the person Rabbi Tversky, who who is obviously extremely prolific on the subject, said. You've got to do esteem middle acts. That's how you. So on that on that note, I often tell people if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. What I'd like you to do, if you don't mind, David, is share with our uh, our listeners. There's an incredibly impactful story in your life where you stood for something. In my opinion, against tremendous odds, and if I if I recall uh, what I heard and saw. When you look back at your life, that moment is one of the proudest moments of your life. Yeah. So, um, I, I grew up in a, in a very sort of loving family, very, very proud and, and Jewish family. Mm -hmm. And, and, but not what we would call quote unquote religious, whatever that means. Sure. Um, in terms of, uh, Ritual. ke rituals, keeping Shabbos, the Sabbath, uh, Shabbat, um, things like this. Okay. And, from the, from the time I was really young, in, in fact, I, I remember my my earliest memory of God was uh, someone had uh, told me that when you burp, you're supposed to say "excuse me." When you burp, you're like, yeah. And I remember that night I was I was just a little kid. I was sitting alone in this giant pink kitchen on the Upper West Side of New York. Yeah, and I burped. I was all alone, and I thought. No one heard. Should I say excuse me or not? It was like this, like, you know, this. And then I thought, oh, God heard. And then I said, excuse me. And you were so, how old? Uh, maybe six. That's a pretty amazing existential epiphany <laughs> for a six-year-old. <laughs> so from, from the earliest time, I, I remember having a, a, a sense that, that God was present. And, and, and that, that grew in me over the years. And, um, Can, you know, sure. let me stop you out there because that's yeah. very, very important. Uh, did you have the, the 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 notion that God, whatever God means, was 
benevolent, was loving, was altruistic, or was this old wise man at the end of a cloud with a whip? Yeah, so I think that I always had a, a benevolent mm -hmm. um, sense. And I think part of that came because I thought about that story that I just told you for a while. And I remembered, I said, no, 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 no. There's still an earlier memory. And what, what was that earlier memory? Uh, my mother sitting on my bed with me, yeah. uh, saying Shema Yisrael with me mm -hmm. as, as last words before I go to bed. Mm -hmm. And so I think that there was that association with my mother's love and with God. Beautiful. And, and so... So I think that 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 was probably a part of it. The association, yeah, yeah, and and by the way, I, you bring up a point which is sort of a, a campaign of mine because I I think this is absolutely essential. I, I can't overestimate the importance of this, which is that someone can be a tremendous believer. They can believe, right. you know what? I believe in God. <clears throat> I believe God made the world. I believe God gave us the Torah, every letter of the Torah. Do you believe that God is Good? Oh, is, yeah. is, is he good? Is that part of our tradition? Yep. Very and it's, a, it's, it's, it's not only part of our tradition. The goodness of God is at the core of belief in God. If you, if you don't, at least I'm just talking about from the standpoint of, of, of my tradition right now. If you don't believe in the goodness of God, yep. you actually don't believe in God at all as a Jew. Interesting. So take us from, th this is very important because the, 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 I think the most of the listeners would concede that we're living in a society where it's not cool. It's not, uh, it's not popular to talk about God, right? You're one of the most successful, uh, sitcom writers. And it's certainly against the realm that you're obviously a deeply spiritual person. Well, you know, it's, it's complicated. It's, it's even from our own kind of, religion standpoint mm -hmm. is complicated. Like, for instance, you know, there's a beautiful teaching, which is the, the Hebrew letters, uh, when you study Torah, yep. are, are sort of a, you know, a window into sort of like the, the, the divine dynamics sort of like going mm -hmm. on behind the scenes and, and everything like this. Um, the letters themselves are, are painting a picture and telling you a story about whatever the word, uh, that's being described is. So, for instance, wouldn't it be interesting to know what the what is the Hebrew word for the word world? So the the answer mm -hmm. is it's olam, right? And the root of that um, ayin lamid mem mm -hmm. in Hebrew means hidden, which which means that God is hidden in this world. world. In other words, the word world itself is telling you that God is hidden in this world. And if you want to think of a bit a little bit more mystically, we say, you ready for this? Sure. That God is as hidden in this world yep. as he can possibly be, where if you look for him, he can still be found. If he were any more hidden, if you <laughs> looked for him, he couldn't even be found. So again, from the word itself, <laughs> we, for, for what I understand, from the word itself, we can learn uh, that, for, that, that obviously God is in the world, but you have Very to, hidden. Yeah, you have yeah, to seek, seek him out. So, okay, so, so when we say, when we, when we look around and, and, and we say that, um, you know, there might be a, a crisis of faith yep. or a crisis of the knowledge of the goodness of God. This is, this is very true, but right. this is actually divinely orchestrated. Sure. This, this was God's choice. Yep. And why? Because he wanted to preserve the power of free choice, which is mm -hmm. the glory of a human being. Well, he, he wanted to leave it up to a person to be able to search mm -hmm. and to see and to make decisions 
based on that. And 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 just to follow up on the on the question that you asked a little bit early, what the, what was that proud moment? Yeah, what's that? Pr- yeah. So that you were, I, yeah. the, so you were six yeah. years old. You burped. Yeah, and you said, excuse me. <laughs> that wasn't the proud moment. Yeah, yeah. That was a proud moment, but not, not 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 the defining moment of my life. Um, maybe it was. Who knows? But uh, basically, it's a, it's kind of a, a whole saga. But I'll just uh, I'll make it short, short yeah. and sweet. Which is that um, I got to this point where I, you know, as as you'd mentioned, I. I'd, I I went to Harvard and, 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 and I, I was able to, I started writing for television, um, uh, when I was 21. So I, I, I really just, you know, had a lot of, thank God, a lot of, you know, blessed opportunities and things like this. So, so your journey started in New York. It started in New York. I okay. grew up in New York City. Yeah. Uh, I went to Bronx High School of Science. Okay. And, um, which if that, I recall correctly is, is, the, it has been, there's been many Nobel laureates. I think that, if I'm not mistaken, there, just from this one high school in New York City, seven Nobel Prize winners in physics. Unbelievable. And I was actually the president of the student body there. Unbelievable. Um, which, uh, doesn't mean anything about my brain. It just means I ran for student body <laughs> president. But, but anyway, I, I the, the reason why I throw that out is, is because, you know, I, I've been in close proximity to, to, to brilliant people for, for, for many years. Sure. And, and I have to tell you that, that I, I haven't seen anything that compares to the profundity of Torah. Interesting. And, you know, it, it, it grew inside me and it grew inside me over the years. And at a certain point, I thought to myself, I just sort of like extrapolated on the success that I saw. I was, I was fortunate enough to, you know, to have fancy friends and to go to big parties and things like this. All the cool and, people. Yeah. And, and to see wealth and, and, mm-hmm. and whatnot up close. Yep. And, and I thought to myself at a certain point, well, you know, something like, um, so at a certain point, how many rooms do you need in a house? Right. You know, or how, how deluxe does your car have to be? One example that I, I love is that, you know, you <laughs> can have like, you know, Ralph's is the supermarket chain here. You can have Ralph's brand vodka, which probably doesn't taste very good. Oh. Or you can have the finest vodka and it tastes better, but not throw your life <laughs> right. away to attain yeah. it better. Yep. You know what I mean? Is that yep. that much better? Right. <laughs> it's a little better. So at a certain point, it seemed to me that um there were all these different pathways to success and they were all, you know, cool and beautiful and, and wonderful and enjoyable. But at a certain point, there was, I guess, what we'd call the law of diminishing return. Right. And and I guess just because I uh, of a spiritual bent, mm-hmm. I believe that there were realms beyond this realm. And that ultimately, if you spent your entire life conquering this realm... It's I don't a different, know how... Different it, spiritual dimension. Yeah, just just... That, that, that we had a, a soul. All of us have souls that, that transcend this world and, and go on and on and on and on and on and on and on beyond time. And that this world, if one basically used all of their energy for just attaining status in this world, that basically they were suckers. So I, I want you to continue the story, but this is, this is a big theme of, of, of what I've been trying to impart to our listeners. You and I both know, David, that there's a disproportional amount of sad, 
suicides in the entertainment industry. And in fact, I did some research which indicates that there's that if you look at the calendar year, most of these tragedies happen around New Year, Christmas, where people are forced to sort of step off the treadmill and think about their lives. People look at the entertainment industry and they see that, you know, the person that wins the rat, the person that wins the rat race is still a rat. That clearly money doesn't buy happiness. And, and yet there's this perpetuation of collecting toys, of fame, of, of Facebook likes. How, how, how do we, how can, is there a way to sort of proverbially throw cold water on, on this generation, which is really who we're trying to target and say, you know, when you, when your self worth is synonymous with your net worth or when your success and happiness is tied into how many toys you have, it's going to be a, a, a shallow life and, and you're going to ascend up the ladder and find that it's leaning against the wrong wall. Yeah, and I, I think this goes back to what we were talking about earlier, which is that the importance of defining success for yourself and not allowing others to define success for you. Right. That's a- because I just think that at a certain point, it's sort of like, uh, you know, I remember I, I, I went to a, a fancy wedding the other day and, um, you know, I wanted to take from the, from the, from the, the airport, like, uh, one of these, uh, uh, economy uh, shuttles. Right. And uh, someone said to me, you're really going to show up at, at that wedding getting out of like one of these economy shuttles? Oh, some and, beautiful and, people are supposed <laughs> to arrive in an Uber or an economy. You've got, you know. And I, 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 I said back to this person, just without even thinking and without trying to be a big shot, I, you know, like I just said back just very honestly, I said, I said, I've got nothing to prove. You see, I think the difference, David, I'm not just saying this because I do know you, is that I think you are comfortable in your skin, and I think you are a person of substance, and I think you have a deep, deep spiritual life, and I think you've assumed a sort of a, a, a leadership role in, in the spiritual community. Um, but I have to believe in your journey and people who are high profile and had, quote unquote, uh, success by People Magazine success. I have to believe that, that they feel that, 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 that they're missing out. That there's a void in their lives. Right. So, so I think the way God makes the world is he, he gives out different talents. Yeah. And it's sort of like this wonderful, synergistic, you know, beautiful, like thing that some people are given the gift to be able to communicate very difficult ideas in, yeah. in clear ways. So they're, they're teachers. Yeah. Other people are, well they have like a strong back and like they're, they're able to withstand physical stress. Yep. And they, they may be ditch diggers or construction sure. workers. Other people have this, um, deep, deep em- empathy for other people and, and they become doctors and nurses. And it's sort of like God has all of this, this whole spreadsheet of talents and he, and he gives them out to other people. Right. Some people are, he, Gives them celebrities and by, by, by the way, or, or this ability to act or, sure. or be physically beautiful. Right. But- um, but, but the, where things start to go wrong is where we then surrender our gift yep. and we surrender our, 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 our sense of worth and our importance and our unique sense of importance. Like we were saying earlier no, good to point. the Very idea that 
That gift is better than my gift. That gift is furthering the world better than 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 I can do. I am worthless, and there that person has everything. That's an excellent point. That's an excellent point because I, I think sort of part of what 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 um, I guess I've done, you know, professionally, and the, and, the, and the folks that we work with are some high profile people. And one of the things I've heard from a lot of these people is, is it's exhausting. Yeah, it's exhausting perpetuating a falsehood. Yeah, I mean, just I, I can tell you, having been around celebrities for for many years, sure. I, I don't. It, first of all, people don't realize that it's difficult, and then they'll say something which I think is ill-considered. They'll go, ha, 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 if only I had that test. You're right. But believe me, you don't want that test. Absolutely. The, the, the idea that you can't leave the house without looking perfect, and there are going to be paparazzi right. outside who are going to take your one-off moment and make you look like a, a, a laughingstock, a yeah. total fool on, on uh, tabloid papers around the world. Living in a fishbowl. That type of that type of pressure yeah. that there is zero privacy. It's it's you know it might be fun for five minutes, but for your life, Tough, it's it's brutal. it's 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 brutal. It's maddening, and and also fame is so fleeting that yeah. you you live with the idea that it's sort of like okay, this movie did well, or is this movie going to do well? Right. Did I pick the right project? Am I one project away from not having a career at yeah. all? And, and so the fear that goes along with the press as it's, as it's happening, it's, it's actually psychologically very devastating. And, and it's one of the reasons why you see, um, and, and, and I believe we should have compassion, uh, why there's so many, um, crack ups. I'm talking about mentally speaking. You're absolutely right. Because, because it's not, it's not, oh, just everyone's crazy who's famous. No, no, no. Fame will drive you toward madness. Because if you, firstly, you're as good as your last project and you're living in a fishbowl and they, and you can't possibly just be, you know, just go to Ralph's and get yourself a Diet Coke. Right. I'm interested in you continuing the story because I think it, I think it underscores a lot of what the, the theme of this podcast is. So we now post burp. You're six, <laughs> <laughs> you, you're in New York. You fast forward the story. You're in your early twenties. Take yeah. it from there if you don't mind. So I, as I said, I had seen, I was fortunate enough to see a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of success, quote unquote. Yep. And, um, but, but sensing that ultimately, uh, it, it was limited. Right. It, it was limited. And, and I felt very strongly that I had a soul that, that we have souls yeah. that there, that there are, you know, you know, like, uh, my 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 Rebbe uh, teacher taught me something. I like this visual because I think it, it it explains a lot very simply. He says, "Imagine you're looking through a peephole and you see a knife lowered over someone's stomach, and you right. you you imagine that there's a murder about to take place. And but what's the reality behind the door? It's a, it's it's an operating room, and someone's life is about to be saved. That's good. And you're seeing the smallest piece." And yet something, the, the opposite of what you think is going on is actually going on. We see a tiny sense of what reality really is. Exactly. And so many of us in this world, um, we're seeing this world, what we see with our, with our five senses is actually, um, I believe deeply and, 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 and Judaism teaches is the, the smallest fragment of actually of what's, what's going yeah. on. And so if you have that sort of that macro view, that sort of more expansive view, yep. and you understand that the soul lives on forever, past, Eternal. past, past this world, past this world. Right. Then at a certain point, you know, I began thinking more and more, well, 
what, what am I, what am I doing in terms of the ultimate reality? If I, if I genuinely believe that, which I do, yeah. what am I doing to see, just, just think about this, um, uh, in this way for a moment, sure. which is if you take something finite, right. And you put it against something infinite, no matter how large the finite thing is, it's like, it's morphed it's, into it's, exactly. It's, yeah. a, it's a grain of sand. Yeah. Absolutely. No matter how big as it is, insignificant. It's, it's insignificant yeah. compared to the infinity. So, so if, if we live forever, right. If our soul goes on, then even if we live 120 blessed years, it's, it's the snap of a finger. You're 100 percent, and yet, if I put a bunch of people in this room, and I said, "This is David. This is uh, David Sachs," and and I would say that most people would be asking you about the Emmy Awards, and and and, and you, which is really a a drop in the bucket if you talk in terms of the time and the infinite, and why you know the reason why we're in this world. Yeah, so it all boiled down to, and I think this is the the story we've been getting to. So it all it all boiled down to uh, a decision I had to make because okay. I I joined a new show. Yep, and um, they said to me basically, uh, I had just started keeping Shabbat the Sabbath, and you were now in LA. I was in LA. I had been writing for television, I guess, for about three years at this point. I was okay. twenty. I was twenty four, and and. I had taken this job, which was, which was a big opportunity for me. Right. And I, because of my naivete, I wasn't really trying to, you know, do anything like sidestep anything. Sure. I, I was just hadn't thought that I would, that I needed to mention since I had been keeping Shabbos for about three months at this point. Right. That I needed to mention this to my employer. Meaning that you, you didn't feel that saying to the, the employer that you're a Sabbath observer wasn't even on your. your, your I just okay. didn't even consider it. It wasn't yeah. even, it, I didn't think it was relevant. I was being paid to, to write and I thought, okay. okay, so I'll write. And then, you know, when it comes Friday night, I'll take off and sure. everything like that, which turned out to be, as I said, abundantly <laughs> naive of me, like, because that was very silly. It turns out that that Friday night was the, the biggest, the biggest night of the week, writing wise, mm -hmm. which I, which I hadn't. Uh, and um and so a couple of weeks into the show yeah uh we broke early the first friday night so it didn't come up the second friday night i'm sitting at this meeting that that seems like it's about to end but it's one of these meetings that we've all been in where someone says, Oh, one more thing. And then, <laughs> and then you you don't know whether that's going to be another 20 minutes and then someone says one more oh, thing, one more thing <laughs> off of that. Yeah. And I'm sitting, it was a very LA Hollywood type thing. I'm sitting in front of a big picture window with palm trees and I'm watching the sunset in front of my face. And this is Friday evening. It's Friday night. Yeah. And it's about to be Shabbos. And I realize I haven't even brought up this topic with oh, my wow. employers. And it's a, a room full of strangers. And this is, you know, a very personal thing at this point. This is, you know, a, a sense that had been evolving very privately inside yeah, of me yeah. for, you know, my whole life up until mm -hmm. this point, you know, that I didn't discuss with many people. And I didn't know what to do. I thought if I, I lived close to the studio, if, if I didn't leave at that moment, I, I, I knew that I wasn't going to get home in time. Right. And so I did the only thing I could think of. I, I just stood up and I walked out the door. And without an excuse, unannounced. Unannounced. And I'm sure in retrospect, everyone thought I was going to the bathroom, but I never came back. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's got real gastro problems. <laughs> and I ran, I ran as fast as I could to my car. And uh, 
It was really, uh, and the next week, I, you know, after that weekend, I said, "Hey, I can't, can't do this every week. I've got to, I got to talk to them. I got to, yeah, exactly. I've got to talk to them, be upfront, and and you know, just lay it out there." So, I told them, I said, "You know, would it be okay if if I took off a few hours early uh, Friday, Friday afternoon, Friday night, so that I can observe the Sabbath?" I think that's the. Yeah, yeah. The, the words that I used, and and they looked at me, the the two the two executive producers who were wonderful people, by the way. Yeah. And this was their first show, and obviously they have a, they wanted it to go great, and yeah. so I'm wholly sympathetic to them. But they looked at me and they said, "No, no, you you can't take off." And, wow. And had we known that you keep the same, yeah, we wouldn't have hired you to begin with. And now that we know, you're going to have to make a choice. Wow. And, you know, they said, think about it. And I, the truth is, I didn't have to think about it. My mind was made up. But because they said, think about it, I, I said, okay, I'll, I'll think about it. And, and I remember I, I, I went back, I called my agent, went back to my, my home. And my, my agent said, well, what are you going to do? And I said, what do you mean? What am I going to do? I'm not going to work. And he said, well, if you don't work, you'll never work in television again. You know, like in old Hollywood movies, they say, you'll, you'll never, never work, work in this town, town again. again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I remember, Thinking, wow, people actually say that, and someone's saying it to, to me. me. It was like a very bizarre moment. And, wow. uh, and I said, Well, I'm not going to work. And he said, uh, Well, what are you going to do? I said, I'll write movies. He said, Well, you don't just write movies. You know, TV movies, um, people think if you're a writer, you, you write for everything, but it's not. They're separate industries. Mm-hmm. Well, I said, Well, I'm not going to work. And, uh, and you didn't have a plan yeah. B. There was no plan B, no. I mean, I thought to myself, I, I might have to change careers. Wow. But deep down, I thought to myself, nothing bad can happen from keeping Shabbos. That's amazing. Even if I have to switch careers, nothing bad can happen from keeping Shabbos. Amazing. Because I just felt like, um, and the thing that I would compare it to, and I'll just rush to the end. Sure. They... They let me stay and, and they did let you stay. They did. And they, they gave me a slight title demotion and a slight salary demotion. But the truth is I had entered at a slightly inflated, inflated salary and, and title, uh, sure. position. So, so, and then the, the beautiful thing was that, um, you know, after that, that that was literally in primetime. There were 99 shows in primetime at, at, at that moment. This was okay. the 99th ranked primetime show on there. It was literally the, <laughs> the, the bottom, the bottom, bottom rung of, of all of, tele, of all primetime. And within months, I was on a top 10 show on the number one network. Wow. And and I, I feel as though I have to explain that further because sure. Judaism, a lot of people don't know this, but Judaism says that all of our reward for all of our good deeds is stored up actually for the next world. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that's something I wish more people knew because, because people tend to think that God is an ATM. Like, I've done the good thing. Where's my cash, God? Right, right. Instantaneous gratification. Yeah. And, and it's, life is deeper than that. Mm-hmm. It's deeper than that. And our relationship with God is deeper mm-hmm. than that. And, and the way reward and, and punishment for that matter, sure. we don't really believe in punishment. We say fixing, like yeah. a, a tikkun. Yeah, yeah. The way, the way, because everything is good from God. So right. even if we have a difficulty, that's fixing some aspect of our soul, some aspect of our life. Um, but, but the idea is that, uh, 
that all of that is stored up. Mm -hmm. So then how do you explain like something radically wonderful, you know, success-wise? Bottom 95 to... Yeah, to, to, to a top 10 show. How did, how did that happen? So there's a beautiful a beautiful thing. Uh, you know, we, we, we all know about IPOs today. Yep. So that's sure. a, an initial public offering. It's yep. a Wall Street term. So like mm -hmm. a, if a startup, like, you know, it's Facebook. Facebook right. is starting up. And, and you, have an, uh, you have an opportunity to buy the stock like from its inception on, yeah. on Wall Street. It, on the ground floor. That's the IPO. So we have this IPO idea in Judaism as well. And this that's actually comes from the Rambam, one of our greatest commentators, Mom which is did. that if God sees that um that this person is is trying to do something good, God says, "You know what? I'll give them some more cash. I'll give them a husband or a wife or kids. Let me invest in him more." That's beautiful. And then they'll have more to do even better things to do with. That's terrific. It's a beautiful concept. And yeah. I think that's what happened. I don't think I was rewarded. Yep. But I think God said, hey, you know what? I, he's trying to do the right thing. Let, let's see what he does if he has a little bit more. Beautiful. So, so I, I want to sort of uh, wrap up and sort of tie this uh, in a bow somewhat. If you look back on your life, David, and you look at that moment as a seminal moment in your life, I know this is a tough question, and I, and I think you'll know where I'm going with this. Would you say that that's a moment that you feel – um, a sense more of of proud and and you know um, having the intestinal fortitude to make the you know the decision and whatever that meant. How did that feel compared to being on the stage and you know and 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 accepting the highest accolades in your industry in terms of your your, your life, looking back at your life and moments of feeling just a sense of gratitude and pride. Well, I'll tell you something funny, which is that when I got the Emmy for The Simpsons, it was they gave that award on the Sabbath, so I wasn't there to receive it. Oh, you weren't even there? <laughs> so much for that theory. What about the, Globe, the, the Golden Globe Award? <laughs> well, that was accepted by the uh, the executive on producer behalf. at the time. Okay, yeah, yeah. On, the, on behalf of us. So. Uh, Interesting. But, but I hear your question. In other words, when you compare this sort of um, – more spiritual moment to a more sort of uh, material successful sure, sure. moment. Yeah, I would say that uh, that this moment was um, was was more fulfilling. Um, and not to say that the other moments weren't fulfilling. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's a little dishonest and 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 sort of unnecessary for people to say, "Oh, this was great," and that that incredible cool thing that I did yeah. meant nothing. Like, why say that? Why not say yeah. they were all great? Right. You know, because that's more realistic and more honest. And I think also more in tune with what God wants. God yep. wants us to appreciate every moment. Uh, yeah. So, so I appreciated all of those moments, but I think that maybe the reason why this uh, story about sort of like standing up for my soul, if, if you will, why maybe that meant more to me. Yeah. Is because. And there's a visual that I, I like, and, you know, those of us who can remember back in high school looking into a microscope, mm -hmm. and there's this moment where you kind of turn the microscope and you're trying to get the thing into focus, and you turn and you go, now it's in focus, and then you turn it one more time and go, now it's in focus, and then you turn it one more time and, and you go, clearer. now it's in focus. <laughs> That's beautiful. And there's this teaching where we, 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 you know, the sages, the Jewish sages of Israel asked, who, who is the ideal person, the idealized person, let's say? Mm -hmm. They say someone whose soul and their actions, their inside and their outside are in harmony with each other. 
That's beautiful. So it's true to yourself and being in parody with your, with your, you know, your, your internals and your externals. Exactly. And at that moment, I really, really felt like That's my insides and my mm-hmm. outsides had become aligned, if only for a brief moment. Got it. So, so let's end our discussion with the following. If, if one of our 250 million listeners, uh, was driving down the 405 uh, freeway and they heard, uh, Anthony Gordon having a dialogue with David Sachs, um, you know, with all these accolades of, you know, some of the top, uh, some of the top entertainment, um, awards that one can get. And this is a person, and I think this is a, a common thing in, in this generation. He's trying to break into this entertainment industry, this, you know, this industry that somehow is their ticket to what would your advice be? What would your advice be to the literally thousands of people that are going to probably hear this podcast? I think feeling, um, there's a sense of one second. This is the guy who won the award for the Simpsons. He won this award for uh, third rock in the sun. And he's not talking about the cool people and the parties. And he's not talking about the new Ferraris. He's talking about life and wisdom. He's talking, it's, it's uncomfortable for people. What would be your advice, sincere advice? Cause I know you only wish well for other people, uh, for a person who, and there's thousands, comes out to LA to try and break into the industry that you've been so successful in. Yeah, I would say just ask yourself genuinely and just look over your life. What what are your happiest moments? When are you happiest? What what brings you happiness? And then even if it's out of sync with um, you know, what what the rest of the world is, you know, as long as it's it's um not uh antisocial sure, behavior. Sure. You know, um if, if, look what has brought you happiness. And that is probably the greatest guide of what will bring you happiness mm-hmm. moving forward. And then just try to gear as much of your, um, time to that as possible. And, and don't, don't be so, uh, uh, black and white yep. that if yep. I'm not, doing this as my career and everything sure. like that. Like if I love taking pictures, I love taking pictures with my cell phone. If, if I'm not a professional photographer and doing it, you know, 24 yeah. seven, then, then I'm a failure or something like that. Right. You know, it doesn't have to be so black and white, like figure out what makes you happy. Try to gear as much of your time toward that, but also understand that you have responsibilities. You have rent to pay. Yep. You, you, you might have a, a family to provide for and, 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 and that should ideally bring a level of happiness to you as well. And it doesn't have to be black and white. Beautiful. So I, I want to firstly thank you, uh, thank David Sachs for taking the time. Uh, busy, a busy person. And I think, um, the, perhaps the take home, uh, for, for our listeners is that here's a person who has ascended, uh, you know, who's achieved all of these accolades and yet, in the 45 minutes or so that we've been chatting together, I haven't heard you talking about success in terms of that moment in the spotlight, in terms of uh, the time that you're rubbing shoulders with the, with the rich and famous. And I think that that's a, a really a part of the theme of, of the Anthony Gordon show. And that is, um, you know, that, that life's not about being a mile wide and half an inch thick. It's about being uh, true to yourself and I, I don't think that there are too many people uh, on, you know, on their proverbial deathbed that look back and say, you know, 
you know, I, I wish I could have had just one more ride in a limo or, you know, I, I wish I just would have got one more ticket to that Oscar awards, you know, after party. I think it's about being uh, true to yourself, uh, about being, uh, you know, around people that you can give to about, um, you know, helping other people. And I think that that's David, what makes you special. And I think that that's, uh, I'm honored, I think, and feel privileged to be uh, a friend. And yes, I thank you for coming on the Antigua yeah. Show. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.